0: Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. As you know, my good friend Jason Harrison, the founder of Kuyu Ultralight Hunting, has passed away within a matter of days ago, and the whole hunting community is in shock. All his family and friends, obviously, are in shock, and we're just so distraught about the tragedy that's happened. And I've tried on my Instagram account uh, some of the hunts that I was on with Jason, I have tried to uh, bring out some of those videos where people could see the guy that he was and, and um, just try and shed light on, on some of the things that he accomplished and that he did. And I, I got to thinking, um, I had done a bunch of podcasts with Jason, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and find some of the better podcasts that I did with Jason uh, And I'm going to bring them back to you. And I think I've been listening to them myself and I've gotten a lot of value out of them. And I've been able to reminisce about Jason and the guy that he was and the passion that he had for the hunting business. And uh, I just think a lot of people are going to get um, a lot of value out of listening to what he had to say, whether you're building a business, whether you're hunting, whether you're, you know, whatever you're doing. Uh, I think there's lots of great tidbits uh, throughout these podcasts. So, uh, guys, um, on Instagram, I love the hashtag #KuyuStrong, and um, I also uh, Jason's family has asked, um, in lieu of flowers or or anything like that, to donate to. Um, the uh, CTE uh, Studies and, and Foundation, they're, they're, they're studying uh, the effects of CTE, and I'm going to put a link for that in the show notes. And um, to all of Jason's, you know, to the whole Kuyu Nation, to Jason's family and friends, um, you know, this is a very, very difficult time, and I thought one of the best ways to um, highlight some of the things that Jason has done is to bring back his own voice and to um, replay some of these podcast episodes. So um, it's going to be tough to listen to, but I think um, in listening to all of these, I've I've just gotten a, a new appreciation for uh, some of the things that he stood for and what have you. I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for this podcast, your loyalty to this podcast. And I also want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. Obviously, Kuyu, uh, Ultralight Hunting, Kuyu.com, Jason Harrison and his whole crew over there at Kuyu has been a sponsor of my podcast uh, for well uh, for for many years now. And I want to thank them for their sponsorship. And I want to let you guys know that Jason surrounded himself with a great team, and he's got a, a great staff over at Kuyu. and. Yes, losing the founder, losing the president, you know, Jason was a huge part of of, of the success at Kuyu, but he does have a phenomenal team. Uh, the team is rallying. I was over there for the funeral and was able to talk with a lot of the employees and a lot of the staff at Kuyu, and they are rallying. They are going to uh, help Jason's legacy live on, and I think they're going to do a phenomenal job. So. Uh, I appreciate all of you guys' support, the Kuyu Nation support of Kuyu, and I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship of the podcast. You can go to kuyu.com and check uh, out all of the different products there. And I also want to thank GoHunt.com. Cody Nelson, who is the glassing guru and the optics authority, is the new optics manager at GoHunt.com Gear Shop. You can call Cody directly for info, sales at 702-847-8747, extension 2, or email Cody at optics, O-P-T-I-C-S, at GoHunt.com. Uh, Cody has promised me that he's going to take care of the J. Scott Outdoors listeners, so make sure to give Cody a call if you have any optics needs, whether it's spotting scopes, binoculars, rifle scopes, tripods, etc. Also, Canyon Coolers. Use the J. Scott promo code to get a 10% off all Canyon Coolers products. Go to CanyonCoolers.com. Canyon Coolers.com. Use the J. Scott promo code to get 10% off all orders. Guys, let's get right to these episodes and I appreciate your support. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have an awesome guest. We have Jason Harrison, the founder and president of Kuyu. Jason, how are you doing? doing great.
1: I'm doing great. Uh, A little worn out from trade show season, and and this time of year the the grind is challenging at times. I'm not home much, and so happy to be in the office today and happy to be talking to you.
0: That's awesome, buddy. Yeah, we've um, been able to share a couple hunts over the last, say, I guess about the last year, year and a half, um, we were down in Mexico coos deer hunting. And then we also got to, uh, I got to come along with you on the elk hunt up in Montana. And on both hunts had uh, two fantastic hunts and had a great time with you.
1: Yeah, those were super
0: memorable for sure. Yeah. Jason, um, for the listeners that maybe haven't heard of Kuyu, which there's probably none, uh, give me like a 30,000 foot, uh, elevation flyover of Kuyu and, and the beginnings of Kuyu and, and kind of why you started Kuyu. Uh, tell me about that.
1: So for those of you who don't know my background, I started Sitka in my garage in 2004 with my business partner Jonathan. We were on a hunt together and we were complaining about the choice of products and gear that we could find at Cabela's and talked about the amazing gear you could find at REI or backpacking or mountaineering stores and came up with the concept to take that type of gear and put it in camouflage and sell it as a layering system into the hunting market. And what was literally just a dream, a pipe dream, we turned into reality just out of stubbornness and needing, I wanted to do something that I was passionate about versus just something to make money. And we scrambled to put together a product line and a sample line in 04 and took it to shot show and, Got picked up by Sinead's uh, catalog out of Bozeman, Montana, which we, which we targeted, because of who bought their boots, and one thing led to another, and we got the stuff made, and Sitka was obviously a instant success, and grew incredibly fast, and in oh9 I had the opportunity to exit the company as Gore-Tex bought it, and having built a really fast growing brand having created the market segment for technical apparel and layering systems which hunting didn't have before sitka um, i was able to realize all the downsides to selling into the retail channels the traditional channels and how hard it was to sell innovative products and to make innovative products and how challenged the retailers were to add value to the the buying process for the consumer and market and sell really, really high-end technical pieces. And I had um, come across a fabric supplier called Torre, who we work closely with for Kuyu. And the fabrics are amazing. I was introduced to them through a a designer out of Patagonia who had built some products using Torre Fabrics. And he's like, these guys are by far the best. And they were in testing the fabrics, but they're just very, very expensive. Um, fabrics aren't anything different than what you buy in any other market or product line you get what you pay for we just couldn't make the pricing work at Sitka so when I left I knew I wanted to create a product line using those fabrics I couldn't get their performance and advantages out of my mind realized that I needed to create a different business model to do it and that created Kuyu and really. The goal of Kuyu was for me to create a business model that allowed me to get products, uh, outerwear products made out of the Toray fabrics, into our market at a price that people could actually afford. And if you find and look and research Toray, you'll find it in really high-end ski equipment. Typically, not even in the United States, but in Europe, where people pay two or three thousand dollars for a ski jacket or a thousand or two thousand dollars for a pair of ski pants. Um, but that's the pricing that it takes to use those fabrics if you're involving a retailer. And so my whole goal was to, uh, to create a new model. Um, I was frustrated with the, the challenges that the retailers created for us. And, and so, you know, Kuyu was born by with with that in mind and then it having worked around those challenges and issues, solving the problems for the Tory fabrics and to let me get into really high end Merino wools for next to skin, which, uh, we all know have, has significant advantages for the Hunter, to get in and work with uh, carbon fiber engineers and de- de- design and develop the world's first molded carbon fiber frame. All products that I couldn't make and design and build and sell into the traditional channels. And, and so, you know, 30,000 foot view of, of Kuyu, we are a consumer direct um, innovation brand that's been created to innovate and, and take things to market that you can't do through traditional channels.
0: And, and Jason, on that note, why does consumer direct marketing work? What, what makes that model work perfectly?
1: Well, <laughs> you have to have a remarkable
0: product that delivers as promised. That's key
1: to me. If, if I delivered an average product at average pricing, Kuyu would never work. We, we have delivered an amazing product line at prices people can't ignore and can't not talk about. So when they're able to afford the product, get in it, get in it, and wear it, they turn around and tell ten people, and that's been the 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 recipe for our success at Kuyu is we don't spend a lot of marketing, we spend a lot on product and innovation, and then we don't have the retail markup. So. It's there. It's a It's a big challenge in a consumer direct business model is can you get enough traffic or enough eyeballs to your product or enough interest in your product at the beginning to survive? And that's what everyone told me I couldn't do when I came up with this business model. Nobody wanted to back me was you'll go out of business before you can get enough customers. And the opposite has been true.
0: And and on that note, Jason, uh, tell me about the trepidation and fear I mean, I know you're driven. I know you believed in what you were doing, but there had to be some fear that your marketing plan as far as using the Internet and what have you. Tell me how the initial feelings were of using the Internet to drive this thing and maybe some of the hurdles and, and fears that you faced.
1: Well, that's yeah, a great, great question.
0: Um, and it was
1: a lot of this, a lot of my marketing was driven out of fear. When I left Sitka it was, okay, I've got this idea, now I've got this great product line, how am I going to get people to find out about it? And I never had a blog, never had created one, didn't know how to build one, but felt like that was the right platform for me to kind of talk, start talking about my next project. And so I started, I started this little blog called Building Kuyu and, um, without really any intention other than kind of creating a journal and putting a post or two a week about what I was doing, some of the challenges I was coming up against and not knowing really what I was going to do with it other than start to create the history for the business. And uh, somebody found it about a month or a month and a half into me starting to do these blog posts and put it up on on those sites and people started finding out about it. And what was amazing was how much, interest it received, how much interaction I had with the earliest adopters about their ability to express what they liked about gear, what they didn't like about gear, um, the things that um, they were looking for from a company, from a brand, from a founder, from product. And so it just became this big interactive um, blog over eighteen months before I launched the product of, you know, what people wanted. And
0: Yeah, and I I I think Transparency is something that you always focus on, and and, uh, talk to me a little bit about why transparency is so important to you uh, as a brand, and uh, you know, as a mission statement, so to speak.
1: Well, and the the blog really let me experience this. But you know, one great thing about Kuyu is I don't have to cut corners because I don't have to hit price points. And so when I started building this brand out, I'm like, you know, I don't know why everybody. Well, I do know why other brands don't want to tell people. Why they're buying this fabric or that fabric or why they're making things a certain way or not making things a certain way. I was just making things with the best fabrics I could possibly find. Price didn't matter. And so I thought, let's tell the world about it. And what I found by telling the world about it was I started getting a lot of trust from our customers. And that trust built loyal customers and fans for the brand that then could turn around and give take that information that I gave them to build the trust and tell their friends because they had trust in what I was doing. And that transparency has built the trust to build the brand. Trust
0: Absolutely hand in, hand in
1: hand. And really revolutionizing the way you know businesses can, can launch and go into, go into business.
0: Jason, tell me about uh, other companies' approaches uh, as far as y- you see it a lot in the industry that they get four or five hired guns to say, XYZ is the best, I'm on the XYZ pro staff, you know, come see me, da-da-da-da-da. Tell me why your personal approach is you want to personally use the gear, you want to personally test the gear, you want to see the gear fail, you want to see the gear succeed, and you want to grow from that. Tell me how that approach is different than what you see in other companies and having a paid pro staff and that such.
1: Yeah. Great question. Um, I, I think pro staffs, in my opinion, have lost their credibility. Cause guys will jump around from one brand to another, and one day they're telling you that is the best, the next day they're telling you that Swar- Swarovski's the best, or Nikon, and it's kind of, in my opinion, devalued the, the the need or usefulness of a pro staff. I'm my own worst critic, and my own worst products critic, and the only way for me to really go vet product and test product is is to take it personally, take it in the mountains in the most challenging conditions I can find. It's why I go on a sheep hunt every single year, because that's the best way to vet products. Uh, I, I have guys in the office that will test it as well, but I'm I personally test every single product we make. I also personally walk every single factory. I meet with every single factory owner we work with, every single supplier, their owners. Um, I'm very very hands on as a business owner. Uh, I am. Meticulous about everything that goes into our products just because I want to have complete trust in what I'm building for our customers. And the only way to do that is for me to go personally do those things. And if I outsource those aspects of the business, then I am starting to sacrifice the knowledge that I need on the decisions I make that go into our products. And that's, to me, that's everything about the DNA of this brand.
0: I I know that um, on the Cooster hunt in last January, not this last January, but the January before when we were hunting, I know at that time you were wearing um, the Chinook pants and the Chinook jacket, which at the time had not, I believe, had not been launched yet. You were testing it, and I can attest to the fact that you were you know, specifically walking through certain types of, you know, wait a minute bush and, you know, grab me thorn bush that's just, you know, latching on and, you know, you were testing, I believe, an ultra 6,000 pack. It, may, it might have been a smaller one. I'm not sure. But, I mean, and there, there were things that you were specifically doing just to test gear. Uh, talk to me about some of the gear testing that you've done. Uh, and some of the extremes that maybe you've gone to, to test the gear, to make sure it is battle proven?
1: Yeah, we, we do a bunch of different tests. Uh, One, we collect all the fabric data that comes out of independent third-party labs and all of our fabrics. Um, We'll do, so we look at that data first, and if the fabrics don't hit the specs that we need, they're not even considered to be used, and that's one thing you look across our product line, you'll see what we call branded fabric programs, and so you're going to see Torre, the merino company, Cordura. Uh, and I look at that as insurance, quality insurance that there's a brand name behind the technology that goes in the fabrics. I can, what's amazing about this business, I can take any fabric that's branded, take it overseas, and literally within 24 hours have a, a knockoff of that fabric that is from the eye and the hand is almost impossible to tell the difference. Now you put it in a third party lab, it'll test out different. And so that's something we do as a standard, uh, whether it's seam tape, whether it's the thread that goes into our products and the fabrics. And then we go back and we make it into products and we start beating it up. Uh, we test seam strengths, we test abrasion and in a bunch of different ways. Um, and then we do real world field testing and then we'll do some crazy stuff too. Like we've driven, trucks over our carbon fiber frames. We loaded up a pack and thrown it off a cliff to see what happens and videoed it. Um, we put a wind uh, boat onto our tents and put 80 mile an hour winds on, onto our tents to see what happens and, and videoed that. And so we just try to put our gear in really challenging conditions to see where and if it'll fail. And that way we, we know when we sell it what to expect and what our customers can expect.
0: Absolutely. And I believe on your website, those videos on your, I believe it's Kuyu Live, um, YouTube channel, you have a lot of that testing and, and a lot of the throwing the pack off the cliff and the, the airboat video. You have that for people to see. Uh, Jason, I'm hearing, uh, reports of a research documentary uh that 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 you're taking part in can you elaborate a little bit on what's going on
1: yeah we're just in an initial phase so i had a a, a concept well yeah i guess as a concept i've always wanted to know how weight truly impacts physical performance in the mountains and it's been a hard thing to measure we know you feel better if you carry 10 less pounds in your pack but what does that really mean and how does that really impact our customers on a 14 day sheep hunt and um, so i have We've reached out and contacted two sports science laboratories that study uh, physical endurance like VO2 max, lactic acid buildup, and several other measurements, like what you'd see for or hear for the Olympic training facilities. And one's in Denver, the other's in Gunnison. And the facility in Gunnison specializes in high-altitude testing. So we're going to go, I'm going to be the guinea pig, and I'm going to go out to a the lab in Denver and we're going to baseline my VO2 max lactic acid threshold and a number of other tests in, in a laboratory setting. Um, and then we're going to go to the high altitude uh, testing facility in Gunnison where they put me in a tank and adjust the altitudes. Um, and then I'll test again with and without weight and build a, have scientific data that will help people understand how weight impacts their performance in the mountains. So I can be better educated and we can share that information with our customer base saying, hey, not only will you feel better, but these are the actual results that we have found by going and working with these scientists on, on why it's important to, to cut your toothbrush in half or to buy the Ultra 6000 pack versus a different type of pack that may weigh more.
0: So you're going to be the human guinea pig, and my question to you is, Jason, why do you go to such extremes?
1: Uh, curiosity. <laughs> I just wanted to know, right? <laughs> and I, I, mean, I know it because I train. I train a lot,
0: and I know when I'm on the treadmill
1: with a pack, and I throw an extra ten pounds in it, how much I have to slow down, and how much tired, more tired I might feel, or on a hunt, and it's, it's a hard thing. To sometimes to explain to customers, and I just want to know the data behind it. I want to know what happens to me, and that way I can take that information and use it to make better products for our customers, help educate our customers, and I think we're a smarter and better brand if if we do the homework and research to understand how our products impact them. And one of the biggest things we've done with Kuyo is we've focused on reducing weight without giving up performance through design and technology, and that's been kind of a driving and underlying force for this brand. And, you know, we've shaved literally 10 to 12 pounds out of our layering system before I started the company to where we are now with our products. And so I want to know what that means.
0: That's, that's fantastic. And is that going to be um, uh, something you're going to provide a video down the road or, or um, on, on the QU Live? Or how will people be able to see that?
1: You know, we, we might have, I have two videographers that I've hired there in Colorado yesterday and today uh, doing site interviews with all the scientists um i think we'll film it we're trying to figure out the dates now maybe in july and then it's going to be a full documentary where it's going to air it'll for for sure be on our website and our youtube channel um but there's these guys have also worked with nat geo and with uh some of the other outdoor channels um and they said they might have an interest in airing it as well depending on how the piece comes together so we'll see where it ends up but Obviously, all of our Cuyu customers will know about it. That's
0: That's fantastic, Jason. Um, When I got to um, travel up to Montana, we actually met uh, in the Salt Lake City Airport, and then we flew from there on up to Montana. We happened to be on the same flight, and uh, I think we had four or five people come up to you that recognized you and said, hey, you're the Cuyu guy. And one of the things that uh, jumped out at me is, and I've seen you do this in other situations, you like sat down, put your backpack down and like started talking to these people. Tell me what, you know, I witnessed you being genuine. I've seen you on many other occasions being genuine with your customer. Tell me w- what it is in your DNA that wants to talk to everybody about your product and I can I, I can sense how genuine you are. Why is that?
1: You know, I'm just a normal guy that I feel like I got lucky to be in the right place at the right time to, to create this market segment and get to know hunting gear. But I'm just a normal guy. And I love, I guess it's my passion for hunting and my passion for gear. And I love what I'm doing. And if I have got if I see somebody traveling to an airport with a Kuyu ball cap or a shirt, I mean, I'll literally go way out of my way to go grab them and just say and shake their hand and say, thank you so much for wearing our product. Um, and it's happened it I took the kids to Disneyland last year and there was a guy walking through the crowd with a coup you had on I and mean, like pushed my way through the crowd to get over to him just to say hi. And it's just cause I really appreciate our customers and I can't build this company without them and they mean everything to us. And I have that one customer at a time mentality and I truly care to meet every single one of them if I have the opportunity. And I have the time. Let's sit down and talk shop, and let's talk about hunting. I was in Denver Airport yesterday, sitting, get having dinner, and a guy sat down next to next to me and said, "Hey, I think you're the guy that has owns Kuyu," and we sat and talked for 45 minutes before my flight. I just love our customers, I guess, and, and love what I do. That's,
0: that's great stuff, uh, Jason. Out there, you know, in in every business, no matter how successful you are, you obviously every business has a few critics. Uh it, it there has been some critique that maybe things are back ordered and that uh the production uh you know sometimes is slower than the consumer wants. How do you address that uh publicly and and uh maybe talk about some of the issues with uh you know having such huge demand and how that plays out with your company?
1: Yeah, I mean it's I'd be the first to admit When I started Kuyu after leaving Sitka and I built this business model, I thought this was going to be a slow growing lifestyle type business. You know, that we would be, and it would be different than what happened with Sitka, which was incredibly fast growth. You know, we went from one retailer the first year to every single major retailer in the United States and Canada in year two. Certainly wouldn't have and didn't plan and nor could I have planned for Kuyu to, to grow at that rate. Uh, Let alone three times faster than what Sitka has done, which Kuyu has has done, and so its inventory has been a challenge. The other thing I learned with Sitka was um, the challenge of of raising money to chase demand and what that can do to control and the long-term success and viability of business. And I wanted to do it different with Kuyu, so I've had to pick our growth targets every year, and demand is out has exceeded our growth targets, as far as as fast as I can financially, my business partner can financially support the business to grow each year. Um, we've grown over 100% a year, which you ask anybody building the business would—that's incredible growth and incredible success. And there is a problem to grow too fast, and, and it's something I don't want to do with this brand. I want to be smart in in, in the growth and smart in how we grow and. The downside to lots of demand is the fact that it's hard to get our product. And it's it's also I feel like we're held in a little bit different standard. We're we're in a seasonal industry and people still want to be able to go onto our website in January and have a complete selection of everything we make when hunting season doesn't start until September and um and I get that. I want our customers to be able to have that opportunity in the future, but we, we are a seasonal business and I do have to build inventory levels based on the seasonality of hunting. Um, and a lot of times our customers forget that and they get frustrated with it. And I apologize, but it is just part of a fast growth business challenge. And, and I hear about it all the time. Inventory I can never get your stuff. And that, you know, so I tell them, there's a reason why you can't get it. It's a really amazing product for the price and just be patient we have a back order system where people can put in the back order and they'll eventually get their stuff within a, within a couple months but um, you know it, we are a seasonal business and we are fast growing so there's only so much i can do without destroying the brand if that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely and, and in layman's terms speaking business tell me the downsides if you were to way over forecast and let's say produce you know the Chinook jacket and the attack pant, and you know, down the product line, and overproduce that from a standpoint of just layman's term and business. What could be the severe downside with that? Explain that sure.
1: to me. Well, if to do that, I would have to raise a lot of money, so now I have to bring in a financial partner, they're going to have uh, certain expectations of performance for their money uh, to buy just throw money at inventory and be sitting on a lot of inventories is incredibly expensive as it just sits and you wait to sell through it and uh, having a financial partner. And if you did that, they would come back and create challenges within the business, either having you discount it to move it, uh, which is detrimental to a business or, um, you know, or make you know changes within the business that I don't think would be smart for Kuyu. And it's much better to incrementally grow and be very efficient with capital uses and inventory purchases and realize the seasonality of our business than it is just to stockpile inventory and sit on it and hope that you'll sell it. That's, that's the most dangerous thing you can do as a business.
0: And in essence, have somebody else driving your company and driving what you need to be doing. In your current situation, you make the calls. Uh, you have, have another uh, uh, partner in the deal but you are able to make all of the calls, and you don't want to be subject to, for a lack of a better term, a bunch of suits telling you what to do with your product and, and your company.
1: I've watched it happen with Sitka since I left, and then the culture's changed over there, their innovation's changed, um, and uh, I don't want to have decisions made for the benefit of the company when it's not the right decision for the consumer or the product, and you know that's what happens as you start to get, you know, corporate structure into young innovative companies. As it slows down the innovation. It makes decisions based on safety versus uh, what's right for the product or the brand or the customer. And I've seen it happen so much. And one of the big, one of my big things at KUYU is culture and keeping the KUYU culture where it's at and not polluting it.
0: Okay. Awesome stuff uh, right there. Uh, Jason, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the products that have been launched this year. Okay. Uh, I just um, actually got my Kenai jacket and um, uh, just a fantastic fantastic piece. Um, tell me a little bit about the new products this year. Maybe we'll start right out with the, with the Kenai.
1: I love innovation um, and love new concepts. We had originally started Kuyu with our Spindrift jacket, which was a Primaloft piece. When I was introduced to uh, Tori's quicks down technology, waterproofing down feathers, it made all the sense in the world to drop Primaloft and move into just down because of all the advantages of of the water-resistant down that we could produce and the quality and how light and packable it was. I really wasn't interested in going back into synthetic insulation because of all the advantages of down until Tori came out with 3DFX, which is a continuous fiber insulation, which is significant in the insulation world. It's the first insulation we can use without a coated fabric. So what a coating does is keep the pieces of insulation from poking through the fabric. It has to be applied to synthetic insulation like Primaloft fabric that goes goes around that type of insulation also has to be put on down fabrics as well to keep the down from migrating through the or poking through the fabrics. And that coating makes fabrics loud. It's what makes a light, packable down jacket scratchy. And um, it limits breathability significantly. I mean you know, if, to make a fabric downproof it's basically doesn't breathe. That's why you get so sweaty hiking in a super down jacket that we make. And so Since that continuous fiber uh, insulation solves the problems of having a coat of fabrics, now we get an insulation that that functions totally different than any insulation we've ever ever used and worked with, and lets the fabrics be one really quiet, which we all know the advantage of that for hunting. But more importantly, it lets you be able to climb and hike in our insulation piece without really getting sweaty or clammy in it, and that solves the problem that we haven't been able to solve in the past which before we always had to take our insulation off when you're going to go on a climb. Now, in cold weather, you can climb with this insulation piece and not get sweaty and clammy underneath it. And it just kind of changes the game for a synthetic insulation piece, and it's quiet, um, packable, soft. You've gotten to, to use and handle the piece. It's, it's totally different than any other insulation piece I've ever used.
0: yeah Yeah, i mean it it's if it's ever if there's ever a bow hunting jacket out there and and not that you can't use it for rifle hunting and sheep hunting and all the other stuff i mean it's it's so much quieter than the super down and the super down i gotta be honest has been one of my favorite products of kuyu's uh it's always in my pack because of how lightweight it is and you know you never know when you're going to need a little bit more uh, warmth and so i always carry it in my pack and um you know, I just got the keen eye and I believe you were wearing the jacket some uh, on the colder mornings on the hunt in Montana. And I was amazed at how you just used the pit zips and were able to just keep right on trucking. And it didn't seem like you were uh, uh, sweating. Um, has the, ha- how is the, Uh, feedback been from the Kenai jacket uh, from the customers that you've talked to?
1: It's been exactly what your experience has been, which is it's different, it's great, it's quiet, it's soft. Uh, You know, the only downside to Kenai is not wind resistant, for obvious reasons. So, you know, you're going to on high, you know, windy days, you're going to step on a ridge, that's where you're going to want to throw on that hard shell or your soft shell over the top of it to give you wind protection. But other than that, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, as you know, it's, it's the most versatile insulation piece you can possibly own.
0: Yeah. And, and it is a mid layering piece. I mean, you can certainly wear it as an outer level, but outer layer, but what you're saying is high winds, you know, you start glassing on a ridge and you've got winds, just throw your, throw your outer shell on and um, you're off and running.
1: Yep. And it's, you know, there's, you know, as waterproof as our down is, it's still nice to have synthetic in really wet conditions at times.
0: Um, And
1: then just the versatility of it. So it's a nice addition to our line. I mean, it, it's um and you're going to see what you haven't seen which will get released in our new catalog is a new line of synthetic knits that are coming out called peloton which is a, a collection of knits uh, that are again synthetic and base layers mid layers and even kind of a semi mid outer layer type of style um that we'll be introducing this year because it's the new fabric innovations that, that tori brought to us
0: awesome that sounds like great stuff um Uh, let's go into some of the other products that you've released this year, uh, that are new, uh, to Kuyu.
1: Okay. Uh, so we introduced a new Scarpa boot and that came about really to find a, a, an additional boot to the line that we carried last year, which was by Zamberlin, which was a very stiff, which you tested Jay, very specific to really technical high mountain sheep hunting. And I was looking for a, a second layer within that boot, uh, something not as stiff, not as, as, uh you specific for hunting and came across the Grand Druid GTX from Scarpa. And really what I found in testing is that I, it can do it all. And I, it's a boot that in testing that I could use from, you know, earlier season, less technical hunts all the way through sheep and goat hunts. And so we introduced that this year. Uh, and those, those actually release, uh, I think I get our first shipment May 2nd. So we starting to ship those in May. We introduced the new, a new new yarn sock this year. um as, to go along with the footwear. That's an absolutely amazing product. Um, I'm kind of a a nut about socks and I can keep my feet dry and blister free and the new yarn technology is is proving itself in in socks. Uh, It keeps my feet drier, they last longer, they uh, perform better in the other sock I've worn and we make those through the New Zealand sock company uh, and they are an amazing sock manufacturer. We're able to actually design in certain areas uh, to add more padding and wear resistance to give your foot protection and make the sock last longer. And
0: uh, What is it about new yarn, Jason, that separates itself from the, the comp- competition? That's a great
1: question. If, you, if you'd if go onto our site and watch the video, it'll help explain it in
0: more detail. But briefly, what
1: typical Merino wool is, uses is what's called ring spun yarn and if you think about ring spun it's exactly what it sounds like they just twist twist the fibers to make it into a yarn to then be knit into a product what new yarn does instead of twisting the fibers they actually pull the fibers along a very specialized piece of of nylon and because they're not twisting those fibers tight you get a loftier yarn And because it's loftier it dries faster because it's not twisted tight, it actually has higher abrasion resistance, and you get a, a fiber that performs at a lighter weight than a heavier weight fiber that's been squeezed down and twisted. And so we just get a better performing, more comfortable wearing product. And we did that in our base layer program last year, we're now doing that in socks, and it's a way better technology than ring, ring spun fibers.
0: Okay. That's, um, that's gonna be exciting. And then I believe you just launched, um uh, 5200, uh, pack.
1: Well, we actually introduced a 3200 pack. Uh, the, we came out with a 2015 lineup of our Icon Pro series, which had some subtle changes to the suspension. Um, that will be for the 1850 and the 5200, 7200. And then we introduced the 3200. And that's, like our full-size day pack or two or three-day bivy pack, if you pack light, and that size is really useful. I've used it for the last couple of years, either in the 3000 and, I, and the Ultra series, or, or last year I've been testing the Icon Pro 3200 because of all the equipment I carry and optics and like you do, it's just you end up carrying a lot of equipment, especially being in the business needing to film and shoot pictures, and so it's a it's a great full-size day pack. And that just was released uh, this last month.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I saw saw it on the website. It looked like a fantastic um, piece and nice addition to the pack line. Uh, I've heard you talk about before all your different products. Which which one of your products would you say is the most challenging to, uh, say, keep up with and, um, you know, deliver to the, to your customers?
1: Well, I think, I think the pack line has been, uh, the most challenging product line that I've created. And, you know, part of that is the technology that we're using with carbon fiber and the learning curve of working with carbon fiber and understand the principles of it. Uh, but then all the advantages of understanding it, taking the time to learn it and the expense to learn on what you're working with. Cause carbon's, Fiber is just an amazing material. I mean, it's really light. If you understand the principles of it on how you mold it, engineer it, you can make a product that that outperforms any other material in the world. But if you don't, um, it can be fragile, it can be delicate, and it can cause failures. And so there's been a bit of a learning curve with where our packs started and where they are today. Um, but it's been well worth the effort and uh, the work on understanding this technology and then you know now we've got patents around our designs and uh we've got a platform now that you know weighs less than everybody else's functions and feels better than any other material for a pack frame and i truly believe and that it's the future of, of backpacks and where the pack industry will go because of all the advantages of it um it's been the most challenging it's also been the most rewarding and my favorite product that we've ever created at Kuyu is is certainly the Icon and Ultra Pack Series um, with how well they function and the modularity and all the problems they solve for the hunter.
0: I've been using them for years and um, really like, really like, I've I've been using the Icon 7200, uh, the Icon Pro 7200 and, you know, on the sheep hunts, coos deer hunts, elk hunts, it's just um, a phenomenal pack. The thing I like about it is, you know, when you need it to get be able to carry and have a huge capacity, you can. When you don't, you know, you can use some of the buckles and straps, and it's, you know, it it, it basically uh, shrinks down to, you know, kind of like a small day pack. Um, so I, I really enjoy that pack. Yeah. Um, Jason, I'll, go ahead.
1: No, they're just an amazingly versatile pack setup. Um, and there's just a lot of advantages. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you like it so much.
0: I want to talk to you, shift gears a little bit and talk to you about um, your love for hunting and um, have you tell me about, you know, from my perspective, you go on hunts that, you know, the founders and CEOs of other presidents of other companies don't go on. You you seem to like pain. You seem to like uh, things going horribly bad and weather conditions, you seem to thrive on that. Um, I know you went on a, a glacier stone sheep hunt. I know you went on a grizzly bear hunt. Uh, could you maybe tell me a little bit about both of those and, you know, the, the, the pain-experiencing hunts, why, why you enjoy that? Uh, I guess it's... <laughs> I mean, it seems like you're just always up for a challenge. I know when we were cooster hunting, it was like, we can glass from here And you're like, well, what about that peak up there? It was almost like you just wanted to push the the envelope at all times.
1: Well, I guess that's what makes memories, right? I always always remember the hard hunts. I don't necessarily always remember the easy ones. It's just my DNA, I suppose. Um, And now for for Kuyu, it's the best way to test products. And also, it seems like when I book a hunt, uh, up north, the guides are always like, oh good, there's this one area we've always wanted to get into, but we've never had anybody that's willing to walk in there or that's that's technically sound enough to, to spend a week on glaciers, uh, and then some of it's just, uh, you know, whether you call it bad luck or good luck, um, I've had some hunts where the weather's been challenged, like the grizzly bear hunt we just did, flying in, we knew the weather was coming, uh, we didn't know it was going to get as cold as it ended up getting, but we had area went into, you get dropped off at the headwaters of this little drainage that turns into eventually turns into a river after you walk for three days, and then you put your boats in the, in the water. Um, but it got really cold, and the challenge we had is you can't get out for 90 miles. There's no place for a plane to pick you up, so you are committed once you're dropped off. And the weather turned really cold, froze the river, and we spent nine days traveling 90 miles just to get out. All the bears disappeared because of the cold weather. They basically pre-hibernated um, and became just a trip of of survival. Um, you know, minus twenty degrees Fahrenheit at night, highs at ten, and just everything completely frozen solid. Uh, but the trip was awesome. We got great photography, great videography. I was able to test our gear in the worst conditions. You know, staying in our tents and our sleeping bags in minus twenty at night. Certainly can tell our customers you know, that our gear will work in those conditions and learned a lot about it. Uh, and then, you know, just, you become, I think you become a better gear builder and connoisseur than if the weather's nice or the, the trip's easy. And I mean, certainly, as you know, the, the harder trips and the tough weather are, are what defines gear, equipment, and, and
0: yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that. Y- y- some of the stuff that brendan was telling me about i believe brendan was on that trip with you and um and then on your stone sheep hunt uh i think you guys had some serious dangerous stuff with the um sinkholes and uh you know having crampons on all day um talk a little bit about what why you love sheep hunting so much and why i heard you say earlier you you go on a sheep hunt every year no matter what why sheep uh, I mean, I love them like you, but why do you go? Why is that so important to you?
1: The the terrain, the weather, the variables that you get on hunting sheep—whether it's stone sheep or dull sheep—are are so wide ranging and so challenging that you can't duplicate it doing anything else. And that's where we'll truly find the shortcomings of our gear. And it's also you know, the DNA of our brand. I, I want to build stuff to, that excels in those conditions. And so the only way for me to know whether we're succeeding is to take, personally take the gear into those conditions. I can't rely on somebody, you know, getting back to me and saying, yeah, yeah, I think it worked pretty well. Um, I need to be there to, to experience it um, mentally, physically, emotionally, as, as, as part of the culture of our brand. And, that's what I love about it. I mean, the trip we did this year was something I hadn't done before. We were in crampons every single day and in some really dangerous stuff, um, that we probably had no business being in, but we did it and survived it. Um, and got a couple really nice animals out of the trip, but it, it let us really learn a lot about our equipment and about ourselves. Um, For instance, I've got a new one-man tent coming out that I purposely shouldn't have taken into Stone Sheep Country. I did it anyways just to test it, and we got absolutely pounded by weather. And I can tell you that this one-man tent that that weighs 18 ounces and uses a trekking pole as a support can survive a 70-mile-an-hour gust of wind uh, sitting up exposed on a glacial moraine in northern B.C., um, but I couldn't do that unless I was up there doing it myself.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Jason, I know you well enough to know that when, when talking about a hunt, when I talk to you about a hunt, you don't say I shot a hundred and whatever inch da da da, or I shot a 500 inch this or that, and tell me, about hunting for you, I know it's more about the adventure and while you like to shoot big things, just like anybody that ever goes hunting or or, or that goes fishing likes to catch a big fish, uh, when I cooster hunted with you, it was never about score, you never even talked about score, uh, you, you saw bucks that you liked, you liked characteristics of the buck and it's more about the adventure on the elk hunt, you were just enjoying the bugling and having a great time, I honestly witnessed you not really caring about score. Talk to me a little bit how your attitude is with just enjoying the hunt for what it is, as opposed to coming home with a trophy that scores X, Y, or Z. I
1: always say the mountain will give you what you're supposed to have. And so I can't stress about score. Now, I'm I'm like you. I mean, if I have a chance to shoot something giant, absolutely I want to, but I'm not going to you know, that size animal is not going to dictate whether the trip was a success or not or enjoy, enjoyable or not, um, and I've just never been that way, and if the mountain wants to give me a giant animal for my hard work, great. If it doesn't want to, you know, I look at it as it's just not supposed to happen. I mean, my stone sheep hunt this year, the very first day, we saw an absolute huge ram, and... We worked for nine days to relocate that ram. We never found them. Um, and then finally we had to just, I wanted to make sure I shot a ram. So we shot one, you know, at the end of the hunt. Uh, and I'm totally thrilled with the ram we killed. It just wasn't meant to be to get that big, huge, giant one that, that disappeared on us on the first day. And it's just the way it is. Um, you know, I think over time it's uh, it's over time the big animals will come if you're just patient and, and take what is given to you. But there's only so much you can do and I'm not going to, take away all the great things about the trip just because they didn't get a certain score on an animal.
0: Yeah, I understand that completely. Um, I want to shift gears completely here, I'd take a 90-degree turn, and ask you uh, kind of a couple personal questions. One is maybe people don't know that you were an outstanding football player as, as a youth and um, into college and then even into the pros. Can you talk to me a little bit about growing up and your love for football and, and, and how it maybe has shaped some of the decisions that you've made in your business life and such. What, what kind of role football has played? I mean, sports in general. Actually, I was a terrible
1: football player
0: as a youth. I got, were you? I,
1: I was cut from two junior All American football teams. And I think that's what created my drive to be successful at football when I finally matured and grew into my body. But literally, I was cut from two teams in a row. I couldn't even make the team. And then when I finally did make the team, I was the kid that got put in for the four minimum plays that were required at the end of the game. That was, that was, I was that kid. And then, but I always told myself someday I'm going to be a good football player. And I just kept studying the game and watching and, and with watching the guys that were successful, what they did and became a student of it. And then as I matured into high school, I was kind of a late bloomer. Um, and then got into University of California, Davis. When I really started to peak, my freshman and sophomore years in college, um, you know, I had the drive and determination to be as good as possible as I could be at football. And the next thing I know is getting looked at for the pros and picked up by the Niners uh, in '95 and, and the Broncos in '96. And you know, it's it's. I guess I'm just a grinder um, and. You know, ground through the, the challenges of not making football teams and, and studying and, and becoming a student of the game to be successful enough to get to the NFL level. And that's translated over to, to work for sure. Cause, I mean, there is nothing harder than, than building a company from the ground up. And it's why 97% of them fail. Uh, 97% of new businesses don't make it. And, uh, really successful businesses are incredibly hard to, to, to build and stay with, and um, what I learned of the hard work and the, the fundamentals you have to do in football and sports are the same hard work and fundamentals you have to do for building companies. And um, I get people that come to me with ideas all the time. They say, "Hey, I want to build this, or I want, you know, I think this product would be great. I want to build a company around it." It's like that's great. I'm sure it could be successful, but Do the hard work first and build a business plan. Do the fundamentals, just like what you've done with real estate, Jay. You and I have talked about it. I mean, there's certain, the non-romantic hard work a lot of people don't want to put in are the things that you have to do to be successful, whether it's football, whether it's hunting, or whether it's business.
0: Yeah, that's I mean that's great great advice right there and certainly uh you know a lot of people see the f- the fruits of your labor but they don't see the actual in the trenches every day traveling and you know working your brains out and I know with your brand knowing you like I do I mean it's on your mind at all times and um you know you, you're you are an all-in type of guy and I think that's why Kuyu uh the company has been so successful i think that's why the brand and the following has been so successful is you you virtually lead from you know the top down everything starts with you uh you accept all of the responsibilities for the failures you ex- you know you, you don't spend much time gloating on your successes and you're constantly tinkering and trying to find the next best thing that will make your company better and I think from a consumer side of it, looking at it, I mean, that's why that's why Kuyu is what it is today is because your drive. And I think hearing your story about, you know, being, uh, you know, cut on the football teams, I mean, it takes a few of those uh, things to knock you down. To realize and make you have that burning desire in your belly to want to be better and, and, and to not ever be that person that gets cut again. Cause once you feel that, and maybe you can elaborate, once you feel that burn and that, that, you know, you feel slighted and you feel hurt that you decide that will never be me again. And you just pick yourself up and you charge forward, you know, you fix bayonets and you go. Um, and I think that's why Kuyu probably is the success story that is it is today.
1: Yeah, I mean, when um, Jonathan and our and our CFO decided to sell Sitka to Gore, I was very much against it and forced to accept it. And just like what you're talking about, and that same feeling that I had when I was cut playing football, and I was like, that's never going to happen again. And it's part of the reason why I, I built Kuyu the way I built it and not wanting to bring in outside investors because of those challenges that it created for, for Sitka and for me, and um, and never wanting to ever have to go back to that situation. And certainly, you know, creates motivation and defines, you know, I think it defines people is the hard times. It's like what you asked about on the hunts, you know, why do you like to go on these really challenging hunts? It's, it's how you find your edges. I mean, you find out how tough you really are. And, you know, it can be that in business and life and sports. I guess it's kind of followed me around my whole
0: life. You know, my grandfather, I called him Papa. He's no longer with us, but uh, he always told me, you know, I would say, well, that guy's doing good. And he'd, he'd look over and he'd say, you never know how good you really are until you're all the way down. You make it and then you're all the way down and then you got to build it back up again. Yeah. He said "The the people that can be... Can be there and then be knocked down to the ground and come back and rise. He he always had an ad, admiration for those type of guys that could you know face defeat straight on and and and, and you know defeat in different ways yep. and then pick pick themselves up and rise higher and better and and go further than they ever uh, thought they could and no, you so know, true. He, yeah so I, that's when, awesome stuff. I
1: know when I was I was starting Kuyu, my wife and I are sitting there and she's like you sure you can do this and I said I need to do it so and I'll I go this brand will define whether I was lucky or I'm good because you can always get lucky like it could have been in the right place at the right time with the right products and a lot of that's luck and then but to do it a second time and to make it work and stick you find out whether you know you're you're good at a craft or good at uh, building companies um and it is starting from that scratch again and having to do it all over again um
0: yeah, and I think that's an encur- an encouragement to the people listening if you're working on a business or, you know, whatever you're working on. If you go all in and you, you don't take no for an answer and you, you believe in what you're doing, uh, you can succeed and you just make it happen. and. and uh, you know, there's going to be hurdles and there's going to be things that are setbacks, but you absolutely charge forward and jump over the hurdles, go around the hurdles, go under the hurdles, whatever it takes, um, and you will be successful. So, I, you know, I, I listen to your story and just hear the passion in your voice and knowing you, I mean... The way you are on this podcast is exactly how you are in person. You are an all-in person, and I think that's that uh, speaks volumes for your character, um, Jason. I've really appreciated talking to you uh, today. Um, I got one quick question for you. I saw in a video, I believe it was in the when you were introducing the boots, you had a hoodie on. And I know you're teasing all us customers out here. Uh, what was that hoodie? And, and um, is that something that may come in the future product line? <laughs> I have no
1: idea what you're talking about.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: I, actually, we've had, I mean, I can't tell you, countless requests for us to do a hoodie. And uh, all I can say is you're going to have lots of choices in hoodies in the next 60 to 90 days from Kuyu, and they'll be the best hoodies anyone's ever worn or used.
0: That's awesome. I can't wait for that. Um, I know some other guys on the forum were talking about it, and uh, on, on maybe on the comments section, yep. so I had to throw that out there. Uh, Jason, do you have any hunts coming up this spring? I know I've got a bunch of turkey hunts uh, staring me right in the face. Actually, California, I, I leave next week for California turkey hunts. Um, do you have anything uh, coming up this spring, or you've got work slated on the agenda? May, I'm heading
1: back up to, to hunt with Lance to try to fill that bear tag that I have that we got frozen out of in October. I'm really excited about that. I am taking my seven-and-a-half-year-old son to a ranch in Texas in April, where he's going to be able to sh- use the two forty three that I gave him for Christmas to shoot his, and harvest his first big-game animal, hopefully. Can't wait for that. And then we'll do some local turkey hunts around here. So got a pretty full pretty full spring. And then I'm heading to, to Spain and to Europe to go meet with suppliers in June. So busy spring.
0: Cool, and, and has the fall already been shaping up for you or do you have anything planned for the fall yet? Yeah, I'll
1: be up in Northwest Territories in August for sheep, back to the same ranch in Montana for elk, and then I'm taking my dad to the Yukon for a moose hunt uh, with our
0: longbows oh
1: that ought that to be exciting the the shoot most, and he's 70 and I gave him it gave it to him for his 70th birthday this year
0: awesome that's uh that's pretty neat that yes. you can reward your dad back for all the things that uh, he did for you when huh. you were a kid so congratulations on that and uh congrats on building such an awesome brand and company and we uh are so thankful that you're on the show with us here and we look forward to having you on again and uh, giving us updates on what you have going.
1: Uh, Yeah, I uh, I I have to, we need to mark this up, this is my first podcast, I'm excited that it's with you and I just want to say thanks for your interest in what I'm doing and great questions and always good to talk to you and I appreciate what you've done uh, for the industry and I'm happy to, to support what you're doing any way I can.
0: Thank you, buddy. Sounds good. Tell the family hello, and um, uh, I don't even have to say it, but I know you're going to keep tinkering. I know you're going to keep messing around with stuff, keep testing, and uh, continue to make the best products uh, in the entire hunting industry.
1: Thanks, Jay. You have a good week. Right. Uh, I'll be in touch. All
0: right, buddy. Take care. All right, bye-bye.